Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini-episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple-shot K-Cup with my guest, Ming Chun. As one of the chief spokespeople for Education First, could you just paint the picture for our young listeners of what this company is? Sure. EF is, we like to call it the apple of education. And we have a broad range of programs that really revolve around culturally immersive learning, whether it's educational travel on an EF educational tour or learning a language. We have an online language school called EF English Live with 24-hour access to a real live teacher. Online, we have a suite of local language schools called EF English First. And we also do cultural exchange programs like EF High School Year, Cultural Carol Pair. Got it. Now, for our listeners who may well still be in high school, but they're also certainly going to be in college and university, why is a culturally immersive learning environment something that would be valuable to them over the course of their life? Sure. I mean, we have a high school, an IB boarding school called EF Academy in Terrytown and opening in Pasadena. And one thing that we see from all of the nationalities that come is the broad-based, global, and relevant learning that you get when you're in a classroom with someone who's not like you. A lot of companies are talking about diversity and inclusion. And if you get that in your high school, that's a gift. Totally. And I can say as somebody who lived in Hong Kong as a child and then lived in Europe at one point and then lived in Asia for another five years after I graduated from school, I can tell you that being sensitive to other cultures makes you a more sensitive employee. It makes you a better team member. It opens your eyes to the importance of adaptability and flexibility, which are all super valuable skills that hiring managers are looking for, no matter what the industry is. Would you agree? I absolutely agree with that. So what does the chief culture officer at Education First do, Ming? Well, first, I want to point out that that title, yes, it's a CSU title, but I really like to think of it as an honorific. One of the reasons why EF has been able to grow exponentially from 
a group of Swedish young entrepreneurs in 1965 into a 50,000-strong multicultural, multinational organization is because of our culture. And it really is our secret sauce or our DNA. And I think one of the reasons or the reason that I was given this honorific is that I think I embody a lot of the cultural traits that we have. And what would they be? A strong sense of entrepreneurial spirit, which I say is intrapreneurial spirit. It comes down to three words. Nobody needs to get a fancy MBA to know these words. Entrepreneurial spirit really means own your job. We like to hire and we promote people who really own their jobs. We also really value equality, standing for quality, passion, the feeling that nothing is impossible, and attention to detail. Those are our five core values. If you were to paint a more detailed picture here for our listeners about what it means to you for someone to own their job, what would that picture look like? So I'll give you an example. Our founder and owner is very senior. He obviously grew this business that very valuable, but he still checks like what the storerooms look like all the details about the business. Travel is very detail intensive. Knowing your numbers, taking responsibility if there are mistakes, that is very important. Asking questions. A lot of people like to think that they can figure it out themselves or don't ask questions. And it's owning your job, no matter how big or small it is, is very, very important. One of the things that I teach the young people that I work with, Ming, and I'm just ground truthing this with you, is that when your supervisor, when your manager gives you a list of things they want you to do, the importance of managing up, checking back with them, asking what their priorities are. And should you finish everything on that list, coming back to them to say, hey, I've finished. Is there anything else I can do? And not just sitting there waiting for someone to read your mind. So also keeping your eyes open to other things you might be able to do or other problems you identify and perhaps coming to them with potential solutions. How does that sound? That sounds very, very relevant. And I'd like to add that it's not only looking for what more you can do or give, it's actually being able to succeed and thrive where there are no set. It's not a corporate ladder. I like to say EF is not a ladder. It's more like a spiral staircase. And oftentimes people think I'm more successful. I'm going to go to my next big job, right? And I think one of the reasons that EF is so wonderful, but it's not for everybody is that the jobs aren't, aren't necessarily like, it's not necessarily a bigger title. It might be a different project, might be a different country. It might be different, something different function, but people who can succeed in an environment where it's not a corporate ladder and you're not waiting for someone to promote you. It's more about looking for opportunities and taking your chances and putting in the work that needs to get done to be recognized. I think that is very, very important. Terrific. I also want to touch on what you said about your title, which is chief culture officer, that it's an honorific. Because another thing that I think is news to college students and those who have been in the workforce for a relatively short period of time, maybe even those who've been in the workforce for a long time, is that titles are made up. Most companies decide what works for them. And therefore, 
in the realm of the chief culture officer, you have many different responsibilities. Could you give us a sense as to what all those responsibilities include and how you juggle them? So you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that we, we broke a Guinness Book of World Records for the world's longest English lesson. Part of that was my brainchild because we needed a really good way, good, easy. Okay, it wasn't easy for the 24 people who had to stay up for 48 hours in Shanghai, but we needed a way to really get attention for this, the biggest language school that was opening in Shanghai in 2005. So I was talking with two colleagues and we were trying to brainstorm what we could do, what would get press attention. And I was like, oh, let's look up how long the world's longest English lesson was. And it was only like 36 hours. I was like, okay, so people just need to stay up for 48 hours. Okay, so we were the world record holder for a couple of years before a Polish group beat our record at 72 hours. But so that's insanity. Yes. So wait, so one of them is what? So one of them would be being creative is, I would say, part of my, I run a, we call it the creative studio in Hong Kong, which is a group of designers, videographers, content creators. Second part of my job has been helping to start new products. I mentioned EF Academy, which is an IB boarding school that we have in New York and Pasadena. And we really started that from scratch. Also helping to productize and split our language, local language school business in China. So a lot of product development and product invention. Great. And what I love about the Guinness Book World Record story, Ming, is that it was super scrappy. It's what you would call guerrilla marketing. You didn't have to spend much money at all. You just had to get two dozen willing volunteers. 24 very sleepy people. Very sleepy people or people with lots of energy who could stay awake for two days to sign up to do it. And you got a ton of media coverage, right? What we would call earned media in the PR world. And um, sponsorship from Coke. I'd like to mention that was our first Guinness Book of World Record that we set. And then for our 50th anniversary, we set the Guinness Book of World Record for the world's most international online dance, which was great. Oh, wow. That, that, that seems a little off brand, but... <laughs> well, it, it was a way EF has offices and schools in more than 50 countries. So it was a way to really unify our very, very worldwide organization. Yes, I totally get it. And I'm just teasing you. Okay. So could you take us into a typical day for you on the job? And we should let our listeners know we're doing this interview in the middle of June, 2021. Things have loosened up. People are able to travel more. Having said that, I don't know how things, whether or not they've normalized to the pre-pandemic world at EF. So I'm based in Hong Kong, which is a regional office for us. I usually, pre-pandemic, would travel a lot to Shanghai, where our EF China headquarters is, or to London, where my boss, the chairman of EF, Philip Holt, sits, or to Zurich. Switzerland is our headquarters, our worldwide headquarters. So I probably travel 50% of my time at work. But let's say a typical day would be I wake up to go running with my running partners. In Hong Kong, I've always lived near the same five-mile loop called Bowen Road in mid-levels. So let's say I run, then I drop the kids off. I have three wonderful children, Emma, Charlotte, and Tommy, drop them off at school. Then I go to the office and 
meet. I again, I said that help run the EF Creative Studio, and we regroup, talk about the projects, work on the projects, talk to our colleagues all over the world. It takes a lot of collaboration. We have five EF English centers within Hong Kong where we teach adults English, and typically my workday ends around six six thirty, and then I go home and hang out with the kids and my husband. Very nice. So I'm sure you'll admit that it is more and more unusual for someone to stay at one company for as long as you have. You've been at EF for 23 years. What do you see as being the advantages, Ming, of staying put and not sort of reinventing the wheel, starting over, starting over at a different company every X number of years? I think it's building your credibility, right? I graduated from business school in 1998, and that's when the internet really was starting to take off. So a lot of my classmates I know have switched jobs a couple of times. I'm probably one of the very few that stayed at the same organization. I think one thing that kept me at EF or has kept me at EF is that it's fun. It's really rewarding and super fun. And I think that one of the major benefits is that I've helped really see it grow. And again, I think that one of our core values is entrepreneurial business, is entrepreneurial spirit. So I really feel like I own my job. I own this company. Like it's, it's been an integral part. Some of my best friends are my colleagues. So it's really, really been fun and rewarding. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.